You are tuned in to Now Next, the podcast that helps you navigate your meaningful now and your meaningful next. My name is Mary Claire. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm Hi, also- Mary Claire. Hello, Drew. What? Who? The uh, other co-host. That's me. I'm Drew. That's my name. That's my voice. We do a thing with voices sometimes. I don't, I don't know. know it's like a thing now. It's weird because here in a podcast we feel very disembodied, but Sir, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about the opposite. That's right. <laughs> if we were to have merch, we should put like pop filters that say, this is my voice. I don't think they'd sell very well, but we could. <laughs> I think we have to try now, right? Like we'll, we'll give that a shot on the investment side and see how it pans out. <laughs> Probably not. Oh my gosh. So, as as I terribly introed with that, uh, we are this season talking about embodiment because we are human beings. Human beings have bodies in different shapes and sizes and colors and abilities and all sorts of different things. And so our bodies relate to who we are and how we are in the world. And since we are talking about vocation, which is the meaningful and life-giving work that we do in the world, we're thinking about how that relates to our bodies, how our purposes, how... Not just our careers, but our family relationships, our citizenship, our friendships, a host of other things relate to our bodies. This is a whole process. It's not linear. It's not step by step in a clear forward moving direction. We move back and forth in and out with it. So remember, if anything on this seems currently out of reach for you, that's fine. It probably feels out of reach for us at some point as well. We'll keep returning back to these intentionalities of embodiment throughout the development of our vocations. And we have a guest once again to do this with us today, the wonderful Rev D. And you're about to hear her voice. This could be a third one in the mix. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm here. Happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, Rev D is not just a guest. Rev D is our new assistant director for religious and spiritual life. So, this so is true. guest becoming family very, very quickly. I am. This is the initiation, I guess. Yeah. Not hazing, just initiation. Not hazing. Right? Uh, I was gonna say. <laughs> we are not None for hazing not at Capital that University. Kind of embodiment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, would you like to tell us a little bit about who you are? Yes, I am Reverend Ikea Ellery. I hail from Lexington, Kentucky. I've been there my whole life. I'm also an assistant pastor at East 2nd Street Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the new assistant director of Religious and Spiritual Life at Capitol. Excited to be here. Excited for the possibilities. I'm happy to be speaking with you today. We're excited you're here. Absolutely. Students are excited you're here, so don't have to deal with me as much anymore. So today, we want to give you a chance to introduce yourself to the community and also ask about how you approach embodiment, because Mm -hmm. each of us brings a different set of things in our bodies, a different set of experiences, a different set of opportunities. And so one of the exciting things to begin with is just how you understand embodiment. How would you define it, that understanding or that appreciation of embodiment? One of the very interesting things I think about me is that I'm very passionate. Mm. Um, So when I say passionate, I I mean at a level that is sometimes misunderstood. Mm -hmm. I use my hands when I talk. I sway when when I sing. Sometimes I tilt my head to the side. And so, I mean, we think about... Well, I think about the idea of embodiment and sometimes I don't realize how much it manifests itself in my life, mm-hmm. but it's it's just a part of everything I do. One of the most basic ways that I show embodiment is through breathing. And I think sometimes we take that for granted, but I had a coworker back in Lexington and she would always say to me, breathe, 
Sometimes she just texted to me. Sometimes she called me or I walk in the door and she go, breathe. Mm -hmm. And I think I love the song by Maverick City Music. Mm -hmm. It's called Breathe. Mm -hmm. And it says, it's a miracle we can breathe. Mm -hmm. And I think that's embodiment. Sometimes it's taking in air and letting it out and allowing our bodies to be a part of the space that we're in is good stuff. It's good stuff. But I don't just see embodiment as like, necessarily physical action but also just being visible and present mm-hmm. well, i think i'm showing a little bit of that by uh, being here and present with you all not just at the podcast but at the university mm-hmm. i think bringing myself here um, my gifts my passion i'm gonna keep saying that mm-hmm. because this is something that i have been misunderstood for sometimes passion can be misunderstood depending on who you are the skin you're in, the space you're in, right? Um, Sometimes misunderstood because I'm a woman. Sometimes misunderstood because I'm a black woman. I think embodiment is a bigger part of my life than I realized. And I don't know if that makes sense because we know we bring our bodies where we go, right? But I mean, just every part of who we are. When you when you say, sometimes I have another friend who's really, she's a therapist, and she'll say, okay, just place your feet flat on the ground or rub your hands on this table when I'm feeling anxious. And it just really clues me into how my mind, body, and spirit all work together. And sometimes I can bring my spirit and my mind back into alignment by physically doing something. So, I mean, this is, this is real, that's a another one of my phrases this is really good stuff (laughs) it's good stuff it is good stuff i think the the interesting thing about you repeating passions and Mm -hmm. owning that to clarify that Mm -hmm. is also within christian context specifically as they're shaped by calling back to our first episode shaped by greek philosophy Mm -hmm. the idea of the passions was often negative right Mm -hmm. this idea that we are being controlled by our bodily passions or Mm -hmm. our fleshly passions right as though these are not god-given bodies as though god did not create us with emotions and responses Mm -hmm. that the kind of chemicals in our brains that kind of speed of our heartbeat like that's beautiful Mm -hmm. stuff sometimes it challenges us Mm -hmm. and that's a that can be a good thing but it challenges us in ways that keeps us in touch with ourselves if we allow it to speak to us rather than try to push it away and pretend it's not a part of who we are i also loved what you said especially about breath and then tying into like those grounding experiences Mm -hmm. my dear friend morgan walker who is also a listener of the pod. She posted her Spotify wrapped and now next was in like her top five listeners. And I remember there was one time I was so anxious and she kind of walked me through breathing exercises and she kind of shared like breathing is the one thing that you don't have to believe it's going to work for it to actually start to work. And I love that and that has stuck with me. Even last night at candlelight worship, the other person who's back there with me with like audio and visual, their heart rate was up really, really high and they were freaking out about it. And I was like, all right, we're gonna do some breathing exercises <laughs> mm-hmm. and helped in leading them through that. Mm. And it didn't make the problem go away, but it brought his heart rate down right. at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so just the power of breath and God being in our breath is just mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. wonderful. It is. And it I think is. the the amazing thing there is I notice when I when I'm having the kind of anger responses or anxiety responses that mm-hmm. feel not grounded, not embodied, but outside of myself, mm-hmm. I find it's because or it's at least related to I have shortened my breath or I have held my breath. Mm -hmm. And so if I take a deep breath in, 
I feel like a different person. I feel more like myself when I allow myself to breathe again the way that my body wants to breathe. And it's not that I intend to necessarily stop that, but mm-hmm. I've enculturated or I've ritualized this, oh, if I'm angry, I'm going to have shorter breaths and mm-hmm. I'm going to get more like... <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole face situation there. I, so I apologize. That does not translate well on a podcast. <laughs> but that's the thing where you're right. We don't. I don't have to believe that that breath is going to make a change to my mental state. That brief in and out can reassess and reset my whole my whole physical being. So Rev D, do you have any specific embodiment practices that help you? I know you mentioned some of that about just yeah, like yeah. feeling the mm-hmm. table, but do you have any other ones that help ground you? Um, sometimes I try to uh, take time to just be still and close my eyes to bring myself into the space I'm in. I think sometimes I stay so busy and so, you know, appointment driven and so gotta do, gotta do, gotta do, that sometimes I just exist in a space rather than being present there. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's, it's good to just stop and go, it's okay to not do anything for a minute and just take this in. Um, Also, something I've been struggling with lately, something that I've always been made to feel kind of bad about, is sleeping. Mm. But rest is so important. And so I read a devotion this week about Sabbath, Mm -hmm. and I realized that I haven't been taking one. And I realized that resting is more than sleeping, but sleeping is so important. When I think about stress and anxiety and anger and other things we I don't think we realize how much of a toll it takes on our bodies and so when we can learn to give ourselves permission to reset like you were talking about um pastor drew in that moment when if you can just stop and take that breath in um but there are also other things I do I mean I like to draw I like Mm -hmm. to paint I like to write I like to sing. And so those things, even though they're more creative outlets, I use my body to do those things. Mm. I could be one of those people who like crochets while people are talking. Like, seriously, mm-hmm. I don't. I haven't taken it up. But, like, I definitely have to have the corner of a paper mm-hmm. or something that keeps me in touch with who I am in all situations. I used to do that at meetings. Really? Like for my sorority at mm-hmm. chapter, I would just knit in the back because mm-hmm. it actually helped me listen better to yes. have something to do yes. with my hands. So I have fidget magnets. I have um, all sorts of things that I can just have in my hands to keep me present. I love what you said about rest, and I haven't mm-hmm. been shutting up about this to literally everyone I've talked to about. My mom showed me this Facebook post when I was home for Thanksgiving about as the days are getting shorter, it's a time where we're supposed to be drawing in. Like our bodies are telling us to do Mm -hmm. that with hibernation, Mm -hmm. but we are forcing ourselves to power through that. Gotta go shop for everybody, Mm -hmm. which is good to give gifts, but also like having to force myself to work through even though my body's getting tired Mm -hmm. earlier. And it's like, no, maybe I should listen to my body mm-hmm. and be in tune with the rest of God's creation and be like, maybe just like drink some hot cocoa and watch a Christmas movie. Like maybe yeah. that's okay to yeah, do. Yeah, it sounds so good to do. Uh, back in 2017, I got really, really sick. Like almost died, almost didn't make it. And part of it was because I wasn't listening to my body. And I think that we take our bodies for granted 
just as everything we have set up in our minds that we have to do, whether it be for jobs, for home, for ministry, whatever, just as those are gifts that we bring, so are our bodies and who we are. Mm-hmm. And so when we ignore one part of that, it it throws everything else off. And so it, it, it goes beyond just eating well and exercising. It's all of who we are. Mm-hmm. And I can't have a voice if I don't have this body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I can't be creative if I don't have this body. Mm-hmm. I can't do ministry if I don't have this body. So I, I, it, it's interesting that somehow we go, oh, I'll be fine. It's just a little cough, mm-hmm. right? Because that was my story. It was a mm-hmm. dry cough. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm on like in a coma, you know, mm-hmm. on a rotoprone bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm bringing that up because I'm having to learn. I'm still in the process of learning mm-hmm. that it all works together. Mm-hmm. And I can't have any part of it if one part of it is amiss. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to think about that, to stop. We talked about this last night at Candlelight. What would you do if you knew the world was going to end? If you knew the specific date, what would you do different? Like, I would stop and smell the roses. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, I don't know the specific date, but I do know it will come in my belief. Right? Mm-hmm. So, why am I not willing to do the things that I feel are important even without knowing? Mm-hmm. Right. Because at some point there's going to be an end to it is what I believe. Mm-hmm. So then within me, it has to be important for me to do things that are important and not just do things to be doing them. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. But did it make sense? It made a lot okay, of sense. Okay, yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. We got a question here anyway about how you know from your body when to start and stop. But the story mm-hmm. you shared about mm-hmm. coming through this illness in 2017, I, I imagine you said you're relearning or you're mm-hmm. learning new. Mm-hmm. What have you learned about your body telling you when to start and to stop, when to go and when to rest? How, how does your body tell you those things? Um, sometimes I feel drained. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I feel anxious. Sometimes I'll have like a slight headache. So I've learned those indicators. Mostly it's just a feeling of being like completely drained. Like, okay, I cannot, I can't move right now. Starting here, right? It's There have been a lot of things very quickly because of, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost holiday break. You know, a lot of people are having celebrations and things. It's important for me to be there because I'm meeting new people and, you know, learning things. But there have been times where I've had to say, Okay, Dakia, it's okay for you to sit here at your computer for a minute and just breathe. I'm learning. If it's a small cough or if it's just a tickle in my throat, it's an indication of something. A lot of it is in my psyche, too. Mm -hmm. If there's a situation that's making me really anxious or uncomfortable, I know that my body is trying to say something to me. Mm -hmm. So there are there are several indicators that I now know to pay attention to Mm -hmm. um, that I might not have before. So what is your body telling you in this new place or just how does it feel being in a totally not like completely totally Mm -hmm. you've visited here but Mm -hmm. a new job a new house a new Mm -hmm. city Mm -hmm. new state yeah that too Mm -hmm. (laughs) one of the most interesting things is my body wants to do what it has been doing for 11 years Mm -hmm. going 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 leading you know handling and so there are times when I'm I'm in my office and I'm thinking there has to be something more than just answering this email, you know? So it's, it's like, there's like a, there's like some anxiousness, right? To do something. But then I'm also 
able to step back and go, no, you're right where you need to be. Even though you want to do something, you don't even know what you could do at this point. <laughs> There's nothing else that you know how to do that you could do. And so um, it's been interesting. But I have, for the past couple of days, I've had a slight headache. I actually think it's this Ohio weather. I mean, I'm just yeah. going to be honest. It's changing all the time. It is a different type of thing here. Okay, so that's one thing. My body is like, girl, what are you doing? Okay, but... um. I feel a little anxious, but majority of how I feel is at peace, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate. But I think that's because the people that I have encountered have been so welcoming and made me feel like my being here is not by mistake, but there's an intentionality to calling me to this. And I I want everyone to know that there is an intentionality in my responding Mm -hmm. in the way that I did. So I feel um, several ways. You know, and I'm working through that, but I think it's all good. So not only uh, do you have your own embodiment and your own reflections on it, but embodiment also relates to your doctoral research. You are pursuing a doctor of ministry. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious how your sense of embodiment relates to that research. What led you to your research? What Mm -hmm. is your research? And how does it relate to embodiment for you and for others? Well, I am developing a resource that can be used by congregations, hopefully institutions, anybody interested in um, learning how to better support and nurture black women in ministry. Mm. I came to this because I live it. Mm -hmm. I live it and I understand what's lacking. So although there have been wonderful, wonderful strides in supporting black women in ministry, Mm -hmm. there's also work to be done. Mm -hmm. When I first verbalized this topic, right, and this interest, I actually had someone say to me, oh, you're taking the easy way out. And it caused me to second guess my decision to work on this topic. However, as I try to then, because it's somebody that I really respect and somebody that I really look to for wisdom and those kind of things. And so because of that relationship, I started trying to steer away or in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And the spirit of God just kept bringing me right back here. I know this is the work that I'm I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And the way that embodiment manifests itself in this situation is that I live this, right? Mm -hmm. So for young women of color who may not have seen the example or who may feel called to something or some kind of nudging or, you know, they can see me. Mm -hmm. They see me here. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this is not a bed of roses, but I know the call of my life is real. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm supposed to be right where I am at Mm -hmm. this very moment. And I become a part of that example in the lives of others. Mm -hmm. And might I add not just for black women or women of color, but for women in general. I want that to, my, my project is very specific. However, I understand the need and I believe in living out being that example for all women. Mm -hmm. There's a certain, there's a specific set of issues and, and things that need to be tackled with women of color, but then there are issues that are related to women in general. Um, and I represent both of those. Mm -hmm. So I represent that by showing up here. Mm -hmm. I represent that by being present in worship. I represent that by being a pastor and saying, Hey, no, I want to let this young lady read this scripture today. Mm-hmm. We want to allow this woman to come in and preach. Mm-hmm. We want to think about 
these other voices that can be present in our worship spaces, in our workspaces, in our friendship circles, mm -hmm. everywhere, because it's a necessary work. Um, and it's not something you can just say, but you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And the way that you do it is by opening up a space at the table. We can have another podcast called <laughs> Table Talk or a Space at the Table or something because I got something to say about that. But okay. I'll just add this. Not just a space at the table, mm -hmm. right? Don't just mm -hmm. let me come. But when I come, allow me to contribute to the process. Mm -hmm. Because there are several tables I've been invited to, mm -hmm. but I'm just there for looks. Right? Right? I don't want you to just look at me. I'm more <laughs> than this pretty face. <laughs> I got something to say. Mm -hmm. I mean, what I have to say is important because it's not just for me. It's for us. Because mm -hmm. when we get better and more empowered as women, we enhance the work of men. Mm -hmm. Okay? So let's just be clear. Mm -hmm. It's like your body with your voice, right? My body with that creativity. Mm -hmm. They they work together. And the more I can have them in sync, the more work we can do. So let's do this work. I can't believe someone thinks that's easy. How is that the easy way out? <laughs> I really, something about that phrase is just so condescending. Like that grinded my gears yeah. like for you. Yeah, it, it, it overcooked my grit. <laughs> but let me tell you how I rise above that. It's to do this work and be successful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So you call it easy, call it whatever you want. I know the work I'm having to put into it. I know the struggle. But that phrase in general speaks to the issue, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going, thanks. Thanks for that confirmation that this is something we need to work on. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody who looks somebody in the face who's working on a doctoral program to say you're taking the easy <laughs> anything. Okay? It's not easy at all. Yeah. But the fact that people feel the liberty to say things like that about certain issues mm -hmm. speaks to, to the work that still needs to be done. I'm here for it. I am here for it. We are going to do it. <laughs> Success is the greatest. I mean, it is. It's the greatest revenge. And I'm not out for revenge. I don't want to put that out there. But that's a phrase, you know, that yeah. I, you know, it is like the, you gave me no choice but to be successful. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to sit with that one for a minute. <laughs> There's lots more we could talk about. Mm -hmm. You're right. I think we need a new podcast. <laughs> but we also want to give you an opportunity to introduce. I mean, you've introduced a lot of yourself already, mm -hmm. but but I'm sure there's more about you that you would want folks to know mm -hmm. about who you are, about what you bring to the table, about the, the voices you have, the vocations you have, right? We have this, this whole podcast began with the idea of talking about who we are, our different, uh, not our identities, but our different expressions of our identity as family members, as people mm -hmm. who have careers, as people who are citizens, as mm -hmm. people who are engaged in service and religious life and all sorts of different things. So what do you want people to know about you here at Capitol and the folks who are listening to our podcast? What I want people to know is that I have a great affinity for what I call community ministry, which is ministry beyond the walls of a church building. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be out. I say, I call it sitting with the people, being with mm -hmm. the people. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when I'm literally in church, they'll go, why are you not in the pulpit? And I'm going, because the people are out here. Mm -hmm. um, so that is my passion and my calling is to relate to people in a way that they they understand to be a representation of God that invites people in, right? So many times, especially in the African-American tradition, God is like way up here. I know people can't see my hand, but I'm talking like 
It's high up there. <laughs> in the sky, right? <laughs> but I, I believe God to be a holy God that is relational, mm-hmm. that is concerned about my daily life and the things that plague me mm-hmm. and concern me. And so I want to be like a tangible, physical representation of that. Like, okay, I did work with a college prep program for 11 years called Educational Talent Search. It's a trio program. Trio works. It does. Whoop, whoop. Shout out. <laughs> and what's um, trio for our listeners that don't know what trio is? Trio is a program that was birthed out of Lyndon B. Johnson's War on Poverty. And it was to give educational opportunities to students who are limited income. I say limited, not low. Mm -hmm. Limited income and potential first-generation college students, the first in their families to go to school. And so Talent Surge, there's three main ones. They're branched into way more now. But the main three were Upward Bound, Mm -hmm. which is high school only, Talent Surge, which is middle school, high school, and then Student Support Services, which is college level. I'm a product of Educational Talent Surge. So I was in Talent Surge when I was in high school, and then I came back to advise and then be a director of, and I'm so happy to do that. So we would do workshops every month. We go into the schools. And sometimes we couldn't start talking about study skills until we had a conversation about how they were feeling. So it's about understanding that, yeah, there are things that we have to handle. But right now, how you doing? How do you feel? What is it that concerns you? And that's who I believe the God I serve is. A God who is concerned about every facet of my life, not just the ministry portion, right? To allow me to be human, to be real, to have feelings and relate to people. Below the titles and everything else that we have, our credentials, we are all children of God at the foundation of who we are. And that's where I like to meet people. So it's like, well, what do you want us to call you? Well, I understand that there needs to be some distinction, but Rev D. Because Reverend Dykea, the right Reverend. Okay, I don't, you know, uh, I mean, if Rev's got to be on there, okay. Let's do Rev D because it's formal and formal, right? Mm. It, it lets you know that I have some sort of authority in a sense of being ordained and trained and, you know, that kind of thing. But other than that, like, yeah, we, we're the same people. <laughs> yeah, you had to put your left and right shoe on today, right? Mm. Me too. So, I mean, I just want people to know that I, I am what I call real. I don't get into the fluff. I mean, I can. I can code switch with the best of them. That's another conversation, too. Mm-hmm. But I just want, let's just, let's live. Let's have conversation. Let's talk about what's real in our lives and what we can do to work together to impact change in places we feel there needs to be change. Mm-hmm. It's really just that simple. And I bring to you me. All of who I am. I'm a mother. I'm a sister. I'm an aunt. um, I'm a friend. I'm a wife. I'm all, I'm a whole lot. I'm bringing it all. And I'm very family oriented. So my children, you will meet them. I will have them with me as much as I can because I believe in, it's not just because I love them, but also because of my background with the whole, um, first-generation college student type thing. It's like my parents wanted me to go to college, but they never went. They did like more like training things. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted me to go, but they didn't have that knowledge base to say these are the steps, right? So I had talent search and other people in my life. But I'm my story is different from my children. So at six years old, my youngest was like, I'm going to college, and I'm going to be the director of talent search. <laughs> and I was like, you know, but it really, the reality of it struck me, the 
power that I have now, right. right, to help people understand that it is possible. It is an option for you. And that's no slight against parents. Parents are doing the best job they can. My parents are phenomenal. I would change not not a thing. But it, there's nothing wrong with having it being more equipped, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then equipping those who come behind me to do the good work as well, so. So the last question mm-hmm. that we strive to ask everybody at the end tying into the whole vocation piece of life-giving work for the world. What do you wish you knew about vocation when you were a kid? I was a very shy kid. Mm. Um, Shy. They'll tell you stories. I would cry if you looked at me. Like, I promise you, there were situations where I just wanted to disappear. Like, please just just let me disappear. Let me Mm. me blend in. So what I, the things that I wish I knew about vocation were, but it's up to me. It's not about expectation, right? And this ties back into this whole woman in ministry thing, right? Because as a woman, this is not what I'm, quote, unquote, necessarily supposed to be doing, right? Mm. And I found the struggle when I was in seminary, like... The white churches were not really comfortable with me being black and the black churches were not comfortable with me being a woman. Mm. And I was like, where is my place? But had I known a little bit sooner, because this is the call that I'm experiencing, even though it doesn't fit into the mold of what others think or even desire, (laughs) right? Because I spent a great deal of my life trying to fit in spaces that were not created for me. I tried to bend and shape myself and reshape myself to fit in places that were I was never supposed to fit. And I believe God was intentional about that, hmm. right? So I pray, I've always struggled with my weight. And I preached a sermon and it said, it was like, I'm too big. <laughs> now I had to wrestle with this thing. I had to wrestle with it because in my appearance I have I have a stature that is it's it's present in the room. And that was always a bad thing for me, but now I've learned to flip that in my mind. I am too big. Mm, I can't fit in that chair. Mm, I'm not supposed to. Mm. What comes along with me is a big gift. Mm-hmm. And it has a big responsibility, but I'm not apologizing for that because it's what God gave me. Mm. So, even getting comfortable with myself, you know, and being able to say, hey, this is who I am. You don't have to like it because the, the the kids that I work with, I'll say, you know, I'm some people's flavor and some people's not. <laughs> and that's okay. I used to ha- struggle with that. I wanted everybody to accept me and like me and welcome me and want me. Everybody wants that. Now I still desire that, but I'm okay if you don't. I'm too big. Some people just can't do big. And I don't I'm not talking about my body. <laughs> I'm talking about my gifts. I'm talking about what I have to bring to the table. It's too big to fit in certain boxes and certain spaces. It's more than that. And I say that in no vein of conceit, but in 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 a way of accepting who I am. I, Rev D, am so glad that this is your place, <laughs> that you are called to be a pastor for our community. I, I've told you this, I've told everyone this, but we're going to record it so it now will last and hopefully get cast out into outer space. Like, I'm so <laughs> glad to have not just a colleague, but you as a colleague thank in you. this work. So thank you for sharing with us and for challenging us and for supporting us and for whatever the future is, mm-hmm. building it together and finding our vocation. So thank you for, for your wisdom today, for sharing your sense of embodiment with us today. We pray a blessing on you and your ministry here. And I look forward to seeing what God has in store for us. 
Thanks to the generous Philip N. Knutson Endowment and Lutheran Campus Ministries, Now Next is brought to you by the Center for Faith and Learning at Capital University. Your co-hosts are Drew Tucker and Mary Claire Kunkel, as well as your producer, it's me, Mary Claire Kunkel. And our seaworthy theme music is brought to you by Shane Ivers. Thanks for listening.